Gift Biz Unwrapped, Episode 78. It's just about being yourself. Hi, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, and now it's time to light it up. Welcome to Gift Biz Unwrapped, your source for industry-specific insights and advice to develop and grow your business. And now, here's your host, Sue Monheit. Hi there, I'm Sue, and welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Whether you own a brick-and-mortar shop, sell online, or are just getting started, you'll discover new insight to gain traction and to grow your business. And today, I am thrilled to have joining us Ryan Newberry. Ryan is originally from a small farming community in Northwest Missouri. He's been in sales now for over 20 years, and it's definitely his career passion. First in banking and now in real estate. I'm not surprised he's so successful. He's got a style that works. He's friendly, helpful, and sincere. Ryan lives on the North Shore of Chicago with his husband, Brian, who owns an upscale boutique eyelash salon in Highland Park, which is my hometown as well. Currently with Berkshire Hathaway, he's going to share tips on the industry and be particularly beneficial if you're considering a brick and mortar shop for your business. So with that, Ryan, welcome to the show. Well, hello, Sue. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I am thrilled that you're here because with our listeners, a lot of times we're talking about, well, should I make the leap from a home-based business to a brick-and-mortar shop, et cetera? And I know you're going to be able to shed some light on that. But before we do that, I want to talk about your motivational candle, which is how I love starting every single one of my podcasts. It gives us a different feel into what you're all about, Ryan. Sure, of course. All right, so if you were to describe your perfect motivational candle, what color would it be and what would be the quote on that candle? Well, I think my candle would probably be like a bright color candle of some kind, maybe an orange, a yellow, or a bright red, because of, because of my personality and bright colors help to motivate people and put you in a positive light perspective and a way of thinking. And one of my favorite quotes, it's actually by Will Smith, it's, don't chase people, be yourself, do your own thing, and work hard. The right people, the ones who really belong in your life, will come to you and stay. Boy, you know, if you follow that, There's a lot of stress that goes by the wayside. Yeah, I mean, because that quote follows along with your sales and cultivating your clients and keeping in touch with them as well as family and your everyday life. So it really just kind of ties into your whole life being. And I think it makes everything clear. Absolutely. And I would imagine, especially in sales, I mean, I come out of a sales background too. The first idea is that every single person that you talk to, you want to sell. Like you'd like to have a 100% close ratio, right? (laughs) Absolutely. That would be awesome. Yeah. And then reality jumps in and it's like you're not going to be. In fact, the percentages are way lower than that. But you just can't possibly appeal to everybody. So this quote in terms of just being yourself because the right people are going to be attracted to who you are if you're yourself. Exactly. And that's a big secret into why you're successful in sales, I'd say, Ryan. I mean, it helps for sure. I mean, and you build relationships with people and you get involved in your community and and even within your own company, you know, getting to know the people in your office and and helping them, um, you know, do open houses and do other things. Those are great ways to get to know people. And I mean, I've been very fortunate, too, because 
as you know, and thanks to you, uh, you know, I was on the on the board of directors for the chamber in Highland Park, and that really helped me to get to know people and get to know people in the community, and as well as with the salon. I mean, I've gotten to know a lot of Brian's clients and and get to know people, and so I, you know, I just I just love it, and and it's great. Now, were you always a people loving type person? Did, I mean, how did it, how did that whole thing start, and how did you decide that sales was going to be the way you were going to go? When I was younger, I mean, I was an only child, so I wasn't really around a lot of other people other than grown ups. Well, I was always more mature for my age, so I feel like probably I would say in the last twenty plus years maybe I've kind of come out of my shell a little bit and gotten into that positive type of vibe and and just really trying to live life and live it to the fullest every day. And so you started in banking and I Mm -hmm. really am going to want to focus because our time gets shorter. I want to really get onto the real estate (laughs) thing, but first with banking, but why did you then switch and why did you decide real estate? Because that can be a really, really tough industry. Well, a couple of reasons. One is like I said, I had been in banking for 20 plus years and, you know, we had sales goals and different things like that. And I started thinking, why am I working 50 and 60 hours a week for a company that where I'm making them money when I could be doing something running my own business and making myself money? So real estate had always been something that I had always been interested in ever since I was probably like 13 years old. I actually worked in a little real estate office in my hometown. I would mow yards for some of the realtors that had clients that didn't live there anymore. I would answer phones just to take messages, that kind of stuff, because obviously I didn't have a license, so I couldn't do anything in that aspect. But I've always liked architecture, and I've always liked older homes and you know new construction and things like that. So I had decided, we lived in Glencoe at the time. And Brian was just opening up the shop and I was commuting downtown every day and I was getting home at eight, nine o'clock at night. And I just told him, I said, you know what? I just, I can't do this anymore. You know, real estate is just something I really want to do. And so, you know, we talked it over and I went and got my real estate license and it's been on ever since. And I love it. So were you afraid to take the leap? You went and got the real estate license. I mean, was it just like, okay, one day you have this conversation with Brian, you guys agree yes, and the next day you get totally started, or did you overlap, or how did that work? Well, to answer your first question, yes, I was nervous as can be, for sure, (laughs) without a doubt. Very nervous and very scared, because yes, it was something new. When you first start out, I mean, obviously, your first year or two is really your years that you're going to be building your relationships and getting to know people and doing your open houses and doing these other things to try to help to get your basic book of business so that you can get those referrals coming in and that kind of thing. And so, you know, of course, the money aspect of it was a little scary because, you know, Brian was just starting his new business as well. And so we... Nothing like just doing it all at once. Exactly. Just jump in and do it because we might as well just go through what we're going to go through now instead of later on. So we did it together. One of the things that I want to highlight that you were mentioning is the investment of time in to build relationships. And gift biz listeners, I think that's important for all of us to understand, even if you already have a business, but you're venturing into a new department within the business, a new product within the business, it takes some time for people to get acclimated either to you in a new business or other things that you're doing. And I think that's an investment of time that you need to consider anytime you're presenting something new. Anything you would add to that, Ryan? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, even, you know, the things that I'm talking about, building relationships on the real estate, and that also goes into the retail sector as well. I mean, that's how Brian has built his business, getting to know people. Because all of our business, you know, whether it be a salon, be real estate, whatever, it's all word of mouth. And it's always about the level of service and the, and the professionalism that you project to these people. And that's, in turn, how you start building your business. So it doesn't matter whether it's real estate, a salon, a restaurant, your business, for example. All of this kind of just goes in hand in hand together. It's just different industries. All right. So let's dive in now into real estate in particular. Let's build a scenario here. We have someone who's been working out of their house for a while they are, let's just say they make cupcakes, okay? Okay. And they had a commercial kitchen, but virtually they're conducting all the business out of the house. Now they're thinking, you know what? Maybe I want to be in a brick and mortar. You know, I want to consider having a bakery for myself, like a real retail shop, not a commercial kitchen. Mm-hmm. And so now they're going to go and they're going to start looking at locations. What are some steps or what are some suggestions, since you're an expert, like what would you suggest (laughs) if someone was coming to you with this scenario? There's several different things that you want to do when you're starting up a business, especially if you're looking to either A, rent a space or B, build out a new space. First and foremost, you want to have a business plan because you want to know step by step, what am I going to do? What do I need to do? What are the costs going to be? What can I afford? That kind of thing. You need to go back, kind of look through your P&L, look through your numbers, depending, of course, how long the person's been in business. If they're just a brand new startup, obviously, you may not want to to invest a whole bunch of money into a new space. You may want to just do a little pop-up shop, see how it goes, and then go from there. You definitely want to have an idea of what you can afford, what size space you need. Are you going to have employees? How many employees are you going to have? What are those costs going to be? Those kinds of things to help you determine what to look at, what can I afford. Another thing that you might want to do too is kind of do market research, like have a focus group and invite three or four people, have them test your products, what works well, what works best. Find out different areas, whether it be Highland Park, uh, Glencoe, or wherever, you know, wherever your listeners live, to kind of do that kind of like a test run kind of thing to figure out, well, what's going to be the best market for me to sell? In this instance, we're talking about cupcakes. As you know, we have a very successful one here in Highland Parks over in the Ravinia District, and they've been there several years now. I'm sure that that's how those gentlemen over there, you know, started their business with that. And they're phenomenal. They're awesome. I want to underline again a couple of the things that you're talking about. Not just go out and say, I have this idea, and you get a space that you like. You want to have a vision first of what overall your business is going to look like, and then go and look at spaces once you've determined what you're trying to do with your business. I think a lot of people do that in reverse. They just like, oh, I want to, you know, let's see what's out there. And then they try to build the business into the space versus the other way around. Right, for sure. And I mean, even if you're at that very, very step one, you do want to decide like what area you want to be in. For example, when Brian was opening up the salon in Highland Park, at the time we lived downtown. And so, of course, you know, we didn't know the North Shore very well. And so what we did was, is we drove around, we went to all the different suburbs to kind of determine where he thought his market niche would be. We probably looked at maybe 10 North Shore suburbs. We picked the top three. And then we kind of just did our own market research, like average households, what's the population, what's the average income, those kinds of things too, because that will also help you to determine 
where you want to be and what your competition is going to be within those certain areas. Okay. And so let's say you've done your research, both research in terms of location where you want to go and then also product. So you're feeling like you've got the community, the product is going to be received well there. What are the steps in working with a realtor to start closing the deal? Like where does the contract come in? How does all that work? So once you've got all that figured out, obviously, then you come to me and say, Ryan, I want a motor and I want to go over and look at, you know, a couple of spaces. Let's just use downtown Highland Park since that's where we're at. Okay, great. Well, you know, first thing I'm going to ask you is what is your price range? So there by that time, hopefully then you've got an, an idea of how much you're going to be able to afford, what size space you're going to need, et cetera. Then we go and we kind of look at two or three different places and walk in, we look at it, we talk about, can you envision yourself working in this space? I guess what I'm trying to say, like, what's the setup of your business going to look like in this space? Once you've determined what space you like, obviously, and what's going to work, then I would then contact the landlord and then we start kind of negotiating to try to get a price determined, a lease determined, that kind of thing. And, th- and there's lots of things that you have to think about. Two, when you're negotiating on a commercial space, because it's obviously it's a lot different than residential. Commercial is a little bit more intense because you have to think about, am I going to have to pay insurance? Am I going to have to pay taxes on this space? And then am I going to be able to go into this space? Because, you know, in Highland Park, if you're on a first floor space, you have to generate some type of sales tax. So are you going to have something that's going to generate sales tax? Obviously, in our scenario that we're talking about with cupcakes and things, obviously you're going to generate sales tax. Yeah, and let me stop here and just clarify for some listeners, just in case they don't know. Every community is a little bit different. They have different rules and regulations about different types of spaces. In our city right now, it's been designated that if you're going to be on a first level, you have to be in some way collecting sales tax where the city can benefit. And mostly it's because real estate is a, is at a premium. There aren't many spaces right. left. <laughs> and so that may or may not apply to you, but it's really important if you're looking at this to go to the city and see what the regulations are. And I guess your realtor would know too, Ryan, right? Right, exactly. And so then, okay, so you've talked a little bit about the space in terms of, you know, are you going to have to pay for a lease? Also, I think what types of services come included, like garbage removal, you know, all that type of thing as well, right? Yeah, exactly. You have to know, you know do you pay your own trash? Um, who pays for what, basically, is kind of how I put it. Who pays for electricity? Who pays for the gas, the water, the insurance? If there's taxes involved, who pays that? Is it the owner or is it the tenant? You know, your trash, you know, who pays for those? Definitely. Those are all things that have to be considered as well. What about signage? Signage. Absolutely. Signage is a big issue. Signage can be very expensive or it can be little as none. One thing you need to do once you determine where you want to open your shop is to contact the city planning division or someone or the city manager or somebody like that to find out what are your rules and regulations about signage. In some suburbs, signage has to be block letter. Some of them can be halo lit. Some cannot. Signs have to be a certain size. and They can only be a certain color. That's all part of that research that I was talking about earlier in our conversation. So signage is not determined by the landlord. It's determined by the city. Correct. Okay. Important Mm -hmm. point. Really important point. Right. Now, it may be different. I just know that speaking from Highland Park, the signage is regulated by the city. And what about such things as air conditioning, heating, 
maintenance on those types of pieces of equipment. Absolutely. Yeah. So what you want to do too is obviously the landlord's going to be responsible for those things. Now it can be written into the lease. Some commercial spaces require that the tenant pay for quarterly maintenance of the furnace or of the air conditioning, you know, to changing the filters and different things like that. So you need to find out for sure who's responsible for what, what do I need to do as a tenant in your space? Okay, perfect. And anything different that you know of for a consumable type space where it's a restaurant or a bakery as our earlier example was? Not really. I mean, basically what a, what a uh, per, uh, prospective, uh, let's say landlord, I suppose, some of them are going to ask for a business plan. And that's why I said, you know, you want to make sure that you have that up front. Some of them may ask, do you have a letter of intent with your current village or city? You know, those are things that you have to find out as well when you're getting ready to make an offer on these commercial spaces. And a lot of times, you know, if you're not familiar with it, the agent that has the property listed is going to come back to the agent that's representing the tenant and say, these are the things that we need in order to move forward. Okay. And what do you mean by a letter of intent with the city? So what that means is that you contact, let's say, your business development economic person and say, hey, look, I want to come to Highland Park. I want to open up a shop. That person then would contact someone within the city to say, hey, look, Ryan wants to open up a cupcake shop in Port Clinton Square here in Highland Park. I then have to write a letter to the city of Highland Park stating that I want to open up a shop in Highland Park. Then it is presented to the city council who meets on the last Thursday of every month to say Ryan Newberry LaRue wants to open up LaRue's cupcake shop in Port Clinton. They vote on it yes or no. So the city accepts the business that's coming in, I guess is the way to say it. Right, exactly. Is that exactly. standard everywhere? That I can't say because I don't know. I'm just, like I said, I'm just familiar with the Highland Park area. So okay. as for when it comes to commercial anyway. All right. So now, Ryan, get ready. <laughs> get nervous oh. for this question. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. Okay. I have a little <laughs> bit of an unfair advantage because I know you and Brian. True. You've now gone into a new location. Mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about the build out in the new location. I know there were some challenges. So yes. that's the reason I bring it up. And I want people to understand and just from your experience. So if you would tell the story of what happened and then any learnings that you've had from the build out of your space that could help some of our listeners. So yes, we did have some we did have some challenges uh, when we were we were in one location and we were building out a new space where we're currently at now. And I guess one of the things that you want to make sure with your contractors, make sure that they are licensed and insured, make sure that they are experienced in commercial build outs. The person that we did use, yes, he was, but what happened was is that one price that we were getting was actually turning out to be almost three times what the price was once they got started. So those are things that you, you know, you have to make sure that you have a clear understanding, obviously, of what those costs are going to be. You want to make sure that you do have a written and formal contract when you're going in working with a contractor and making sure that those costs are actually spelled out line by line and make sure that everything is agreed upon. And if, it, if it's something that is more than what the contract states, then you need to have a clear understanding of then who's going to come up with that difference because who was the one that, that got the estimates and those kinds of things. Okay, so I think what you're saying just in summary is when you're doing a build out, you want to make sure that first of all, the contractor's licensed. And yes. then secondly, that everything is really done in specific 
detail Correct. and probably signed off by both parties. And then any change orders, just like when you're building a house, any change orders actually take place. Correct. So you always know point by point along the way what's happening to your right. price. Because there's definitely price creep in anything that has to do with a hammer. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. The minute that they unlock that door into your space, they're already charging you, hitting the ground running. So we just kind of fell into a situation where the contractor that we use was referred to us by somebody that was an influential person and somebody that I trusted and respected. And so we just kind of took word by mouth. So we kind of learned our lesson. If and when we were ever to do something like this again, we should probably do our homework a little bit more than, than, than what we did. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a situation where it's like shame on me kind of thing, you know? Well, it gets so hard because when there are relationships involved in referrals, you might not have understood each other in terms of where the situation was. So no one's really at fault. It's just not progressing the way you're thinking it's progressing one way the way you're thinking one way the way another person's right. thinking and they're two opposite directions exactly so. exactly that's yeah. right yeah, yeah for sure all right all right um rounding out this a little bit are there any tips that you would give somebody in terms of finding a realtor in their location who would be the right fit for them well, a lot of times what people will do, if you are in search of a broker or real estate agent, is to go to open houses and just kind of see how that broker or realtor interacts with the people coming in. Is he or she greeting them as they come in? Are they explaining the features of the house? Are they walking them around? You know, what is the interaction? What do they know about the market? Listen to see, are they talking about what's happening? Let's say, you know, I'm using Highland Park again, of course. You know, what's going on in the Highland Park market? How many homes are on the market? Well, what's the list to sale advantage? Those kinds of things. Do they know the inventory? Do they know if a person is looking for a mid-century modern home, do you know of any others in the Highland Park area or wherever they're from? Another thing you might want to do too, or once you've determined a person that you think you might want to work with is to do some research. Google that person. That happens to me a lot. I always have people contact me. Well, you know what? I was referred to you by so-and-so, but I also, I looked you up on LinkedIn. I Googled you and I see that you are involved with the Chamber of Commerce and I see your family owns Lashler, Cotri and Highland Park. I see that you're in banking. They see your whole, you know, the whole thing. So what you want to do is you just kind of want to see what is their what is their background as well? What is their focus areas? There are some agents that their expertise is, you know, let's just say uh, new construction. They don't do anything else but that. So you want to make sure that you're getting the right fit and the right person because that person then is going to be motivated to help you and, and either find you a home or sell your home for you. So great fit in terms of personality with the realtor, either residential or commercial, right? Absolutely. And then so be, so really that you feel in sync with their personality, which really goes full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning of our chat, Ryan. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and then also the online is a really good tip too, is right. just make sure that they're already practicing and serving people who are in the same type of a niche that you're looking at in terms of what you're trying to buy That's or, right. or rent, I should say. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Cause you're going to know within at least the first, I'd say a couple of minutes, maybe up to five minutes, you're going to know whether or not that person standing across from you, you're having this conversation with whether you're going to click or not, or even over the phone, even if you're not meeting face to face, you're going to know whether or not that person's going to work for you or be a fit. Right. 
And I think that's where intuition comes in too, because someone might have worked really well with someone else and they're like, oh, you have to work with this person. This is who I used. It's a great start. But if anything inside you is saying, boy, my friend is saying that this person's really working well, but I'm not feeling it step back and look for somebody else because I would imagine especially when you're talking about storefronts your relationship with your realtor is really important because they can offer you so much guidance based on all the stuff you've just been talking about Ryan exactly yep all right so now we're going to move on into our reflection section so this is a little bit of just some various kind of random things about you, Ryan, just to understand <laughs> a little bit more about how you've been successful. Because honestly, there's a lot of people who will listen to this podcast who are thinking, do I have what it takes? Or, you know, what would I do in this situation, you know, to go off on my own and be successful? So exactly. we're just sharing with them, okay? Uh, of course, yeah. <laughs> so, Anything I could do to help, for sure. That's my main goal. We're all trying to run our own businesses here. And this is why you have this awesome podcast to help people like myself and many others learn some of the challenges and, and, and different things that people are having out there and across the world. And I think it's awesome. Oh, you're so sweet. Now you can see why he's such a good salesperson, everybody. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. So, Ryan, what is one natural trait that you have that you think has helped you to be successful? I think one of my natural traits, and this kind of goes back to the to the quote that we talked about earlier today, it's just about being yourself. Don't try to be something that you're not because people are going to see right through that. I guess what I'm trying to say is don't make something up if you don't know what you're talking about and haven't done the research because a lot of times people are going to know. So just be yourself, be genuine, you know, and, and that's, I mean, that's kind of how I am. I mean, you know, I come from a small town, Northwest Missouri farming community, and I guess I kind of have that, what we used to call the, the good old boy business aspect, you know, where everything is done on a handshake kind of thing. So you just want to just be genuine. Right. And you know what? We're all experts in some things, but none of us can be an expert in everything. Exactly. And even if it has to do with your industry, if you don't know be honest and confident in your honesty. I think that's right. also important. But then there's nothing that says, you know what? I don't know, but I wish I did. I will find out and get back to you about it. Exactly. And that's what I was just getting ready to say is one of the things that you learn when you're a manager, managing 101. If you don't know the answer, just be, say, hey, you know what? Unfortunately, I don't know the answer to your question, but here's what I'll do. I'll take these steps necessary to find out the correct answer for you because I want to make sure that I get you precise information. Right. And then the next time it comes up, you know the answer. Exactly. <laughs> yep. All right. Moving on. What tool do you use regularly to keep productive and stay on top of your day? I have spreadsheets that I have built, you know, for myself, like with addresses um, of clients or contacts that I've gotten across through my years. And I'll always send out a handwritten note because, you know, yeah, emails are great. But they're a little bit impersonal only because when you sit down and take five minutes to send out, let's just say five note cards a week or whatever, that person then gets that in the mail and they're like, oh, wow, that person actually sat down and took some time out of their day just to send me a note to say, hey, hello, how are you? Here's a gift card to go have a coffee or whatever or go have a nice little snack on me. I was just thinking of you today kind of thing. And that goes a long way as well. Yeah, it breaks through the clutter, right? Absolutely. And I would say, you know, we're getting close to holiday season where lots of people in business reach out and thank their customers. But what you're talking about is doing it at random times throughout the year based on situations or you do a couple a week, whatever it is. That actually probably costs a little less depending on the value of those gift cards. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. But 
it has a bigger impact because it's not, oh, it's holiday season. Now I have to send something out. You know, it, it's right. that you were thinking about them throughout time when there wouldn't be that big gifting time. Yep, exactly. And, you know, a good example of that is for people who are thinking, well, you know, I do that, but it doesn't work. I will tell you it does work. And, and here's <laughs> here's why it works. So I had um, this person that I had been in contact with for, for probably two years. I met them at an open house and they'd come through and we kind of stayed in touch. They'd listed their house with another agent and they were unhappy with that agent. And so then they had finally contacted me and listed it with me and I sold their home in four days. And had I not stayed in touch with those people, either through email or a handwritten card, just following up with them every once in a while, I would have never gotten that business. So you know, a lot of times when you're doing things like this, it doesn't happen overnight. You have to be patient, but it does happen. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, of course. Okay. Is there a book that you've read lately that you think our listeners could find value in? So one of the books that I've read that I think is really helpful, it's Warren Buffett's Management Secrets. And what it is, is Proven Tools for Personal and Business Success. And it talks about, you know, how Warren got his company started, got Berkshire Hathaway started, for example, and how he had bought some of the other companies through the years and built the conglomerate, uh, obviously, that he is today. And it gives a lot of tips and, and things from his past experiences that, that really helps, I believe, and helps you to focus kind of how to run your business and how to be the right person for the business that you're trying to open. And learning from the best, Warren Buffett, that's for sure. Exactly. All right, Gift Biz listeners, just as you're listening to the podcast today, you can also listen to audiobooks with ease. I've teamed up with Audible for you to be able to get an audiobook just like this one, Management Secrets, for free and on me. All you need to do is go to giftbizbook.com and make a selection. Okay, Ryan, our time is winding down. And I want to ask you this very important last question. Okay. I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. So this is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside your box? Well... I think what's inside my box is just to um, become the best that I can be at what I do every day. So the best you that there can be, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, Ryan, and Gift Biz listeners, as you know, all of Ryan's contact information is going to be over on the show notes page. So if you are interested in getting in touch with him and seeing his all-important LinkedIn page, because he just shared with us how important it is to have the correct presence, exactly. just jump over to the show notes page. I'll have all that information over there for you. Ryan, thank you so much. Really interesting and good information from your perspective, because we're usually talking about getting a new shop and what you need to do from a retailer's perspective. So hearing it from the other side has been really, really helpful. Well, great. Well, good. Well, I, I hope so. I hope that this has helped your listeners to give us some ideas and some inside track. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for all the really great information, Ryan. And I will be catching you within a day or two, I'm sure, because we run into each other all the time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's been my pleasure. And thank you so much, Sue, for reaching out to me. I've really enjoyed it. Fabulous. And may your candle, Ryan, always burn bright. Oh, thank you. Same to you. 
Where are you in your business building journey? Whether you're just starting out or already running a business and you want to know your setup for success, find out by taking the Gift Biz Quiz. Access the quiz from your computer at bit.ly slash giftbizquiz or from your phone by texting giftbizquiz to 44222. Thanks for listening and be sure to join us for the next episode. Today's show is sponsored by The Ribbon Print Company. Looking for a new income source for your gift business? Customization is more popular now than ever. Brand your products with your logo or print a happy birthday Jessica ribbon to add to a gift right at checkout. It's all done right in your shop or craft studio in seconds. Check out theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. After you listen to the show, if you like what you're hearing, make sure to jump over and subscribe to the show on iTunes. That way you'll automatically get the newest episodes when they go live. And thank you to those who have already left a rating and review. By subscribing, rating, and reviewing, you help to increase the visibility of Gift Biz Unwrapped. It's a great way to pay it forward to help others with their entrepreneurial journey as well.